Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission, to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours. And now, here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Welcome to episode five of The Reclaim Leader, helping you lead change without losing your roots. I'm Jason Tucker here with Jesse Skiffington. How are you doing today, Jesse? I'm doing well. Just uh, enjoying a beautiful day out here in the Pacific Northwest. So glad glad to be having this conversation with you and I'm looking forward to it. It's a really good topic today. Uh, we're getting into some some stuff that I know you're passionate about uh, that matters greatly to churches all, all across America. So um, I'm glad for this. So what, what are we diving into, Jason? Yeah, so we are talking about, um, we're actually talking with our director of worship for our contemporary service here at Tower Hill, Dan Corboy, and about his process from launch to growth of launching a new style of service in a traditional church and kind of how that whole process worked. What are some things that helped him in that, in that process? And, uh, even what to do, you know, if, if our listeners hang in there toward the end of, of Dan's interview, he talks about even what to do when you don't have anybody to be in a band to start with. Yeah. You can actually still start if you have one person, right. if you have worth, one worth leader. Worth sticking around and listening to that part. Yeah. I, I, I really appreciated that because I think some of our listeners, maybe you're one of them if you're listening in, um, you kind of go, great, if you have talent and you, you already had something going, but where do I even find that person? And I, yeah. I thought he had some really good thoughts about that. So worth, worth sticking it out. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm really excited to get into that conversation with Dan, but I just want to share, because I think it's good that we share our journey a little bit. I want to share a victory that I just experienced this last Sunday. So there is somebody who has a bit of a reputation for being a complainer in my church. I know it's hard to believe. How would anybody complain in my church? It happens from time to time, as I'm sure it does in everyone else's churches. Anyway, so um, this woman, an older woman, she came up to me after the service, and she complimented uh, a change that we made in our traditional service. We changed our order of worship a little bit. We made a little change to make it make it better, and she came up to me and she said, I just want you to know that I really like what you did. And then she had a big smile on her face and she said, I'm only trying to say what I like now. Awesome. I, I, I don't, I don't want to say what I don't like. And I'm like, yes. Oh my gosh. The number, the number of issues and pot stirrings that, <laughs> that I know that she was at least involved with in some way. It was like, that may have been the biggest victory in my yeah. whole time here at the it. church. It was so great. And the way she said it was absolutely adorable. <laughs> That's Big smile on her face. I'm only trying to say the things that I like. <laughs> yeah. You know what, though? I mean, that represents a culture shift, right? When our people, yeah. it's not that you can't have criticisms or complaints or feedback, but what, what kind of heart do they come from? And so that's really encouraging to hear, Jason. I love it. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah, <laughs> send victory. her over to Marine View. If that's you right. That'd be great. <laughs> have a rub off on a few folks, but uh, I love it. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I'm excited to jump into our conversation. I think um, launching new services, it, it has all sorts of all sorts of unknowns. I feel like when I first was launching a contemporary service in a traditional church, I definitely underestimated the process that it would take to make that happen, the kind of leadership it would take. I definitely underestimated the needs, the audiovisual needs that we needed. And there was a big learning curve on that. And I think, I think any help that we can get in figuring that out and navigating that is is really, really valuable. And I think that's what we get today with Dan. I, I know that you have had experience at least relaunching contemporary services. I mean, what are some of the things that that you wish you would have known, you know, as you were getting ready for that? Sure. I, I think if we, um, yeah, we learned a lot as we, you know, we had a contemporary service the, the whole time that I've been at Marine View, but it, it's always been in need of some adjustment or some, you know, re-energizing or whatever. I, I think one thing we learned was to be careful with how, how we talked about who 
uh, was invited or should belong to that service. And that we, you know, I think one of the mistakes we made was kind of, uh, categorizing it as a service for young people and it, without intending to, it sort of alienated our, um, you know, some of our older congregants without needing to, it was kind of an unnecessary step. So I think just putting it out there and saying, we're trying a different genre of music to reach people instead of saying in detail who it's for and, you know, why and all that stuff. Um, uh, so I think that's one thing we learned. I, I think we, we missed an opportunity to have some people join us for the journey by saying, you know, this is who it's for. And if that's not you, you're, you probably won't feel welcome there or something. I think that was the unintended message. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think one of the challenges too, that I had, I, I think was similar to that in uh, not this church, but my previous church where I first launched a, a service as a pastor, I launched another service as a, as a worship leader, but as a pastor in a, uh, in a small, you know, one pastor congregation, was we did this postcard, I remember, and we were trying to advertise the new, the new contemporary service, and it was like, you know, worship different. And it said, you know, real conversation, real people, real, you know, whatever. And then, you know, some of our members got hold of this postcard, and they're like, what, I'm not a real person? Like, this is just for the real people who you're trying to get? Like, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that was probably <laughs> yeah. probably a bad idea yeah, to, to say it that way. But um, it's a challenge, I think, any time... Anytime you're trying to do that in a more traditional church, you're trying to launch something new, you just can't forget about the people who are already with you. And I think that's the tendency because the focus is on the people who aren't there yet, which is good and healthy, but don't at the same time neglect it. And that's what makes our situation in in our churches and pastors who, who are listening to us so difficult is that you'll have a lot of church leaders tell you, just don't even try. Just Give up trying to appease to those older generations. It's all about you just got to go younger and they're just going to have to deal with it. And I think that has some real problems, you know, when you try to live that out. So without further ado, let's jump into our interview with Dan Corboy. Dan uh, launched his service, has grown our band to over 40 members. Uh, They have we have everything from seventh graders. We just had a seventh grader last Sunday playing guitar up there to people in their 60s. It's a great ministry that he has led. A lot of it's because of just his leadership. So here we go with Dan Corboy. All right, we are here with Dan Corboy, who is the director of contemporary music for us here at Tower Hill Church. And I got to tell you, Dan has done an incredible job of leading and being a leader in a church that really was struggling to get contemporary worship off the ground. Um, very traditional church that had saw a lot of young families leave. I mean, really, you could even say it as dramatically as we were hemorrhaging young families at the time. And and there was a real sense that we needed contemporary worship. We needed a different style that, that they were really craving, and we needed it yesterday. So uh, Dan was a big part of that launch process and has grown us, you know, now six years later, six-ish years later. It was actually longer than that, that they were trying to get contemporary off the ground. Uh, and Dan is, he's a musician's musician. He he plays with everybody. He's in every band, I swear. He's like in every band <laughs> in the area that we live. He's in, what is it, The Haven, Riptide. And the Danjos. And the Danjos. Yeah, three working bands. Three working bands. Oh, and the worship team. Yeah. <laughs> and all of the gigs that come out of being part of the worship team. So it's like, he's the hardest working man in town, I swear. And uh, and a really good friend. I think, you know, one of the cool things has been our relationship. Um, meeting every week is, is one of my favorite times of the week. Where we, Me too. We go through the service, we talk about what worked, what didn't, what we want to improve, and... Uh, that's just been gold, getting that time with Dan. And so I'm really excited to have him here on the podcast today. And so we do want to welcome Dan Corboy. Welcome, Dan. Thanks Glad to me. have you. And somehow you've managed to survive working with Jason. So I got respect <laughs> for you right out of the gate. And uh, tells me a lot. I mean, honestly. So uh, no, really glad to have you with us. Look forward to hearing your thoughts on how you were part of launching a contemporary service in a, in a more traditional uh, context and, and what it's like now. And, and so glad that you can share that with with me and with us and then also with those listening in so uh welcome thank you so glad to be here thanks for having me 
So, Dan, there are a lot of churches out there, and really this podcast is geared toward church leaders who are trying to do this. They're trying to figure out how do we take long-time churches, mostly traditional, uh, although I imagine there are some that started out as contemporary churches that are still looking to change it up because they feel like they're not connecting as well as they used to. But but really, you know, how do they go from zero to launch? And I think maybe it'd be good if you could take us back you know, share with us, when did you start getting involved with the contemporary music at Tower Hill? What was your role? And then how did that start to unfold? Sure. Uh, first, a little background about uh, myself. I, I didn't go to music school uh, or seminary. I, I went to school for psychology, and I was actually working in the restaurant uh, business and attending Tower Hill, raising my kids, and my wife grew up here, so we, we were coming here already, and there was a praise band that I played with a couple times, but we were only allowed to play one song in the corner once a month. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So, but I had heard a few of the songs, uh, but, you know, I was working in bands at the time, not as seriously as I am now, but I did have what my wife liked to call my complicated hobby, which was that I was in an original band for 13 years. We recorded five CDs. We played 350 shows. That's really where I learned to sing and rehearse and to gig and to prepare. Those skills, you know, got honed over those 13 years. Um, So one day, the pastor who was, you know, filling in, we didn't have a senior pastor at the time, but she said, look, I'm going to start this service. Do you think you could lead a rock band in church? And I said, sure, I I think I can do that. Um, I think one of the greatest advantages that I had was that I didn't know any worship music, really. I didn't know who Chris Tomlin was. He did not know who Chris Tomlin was. I mean, (laughs) wow, get thee behind me. No, just kidding. But I think that was actually better. I probably knew 10 songs, you know, but there was like Amy Grant, Lord, I Lift Your Name on High, stuff like that. So she just gave me a list of 50 songs and said, learn these songs. But I came at it from a point of view from a rock band point of view, you know, not, not, I'd never been around contemporary worship. I'd never seen it. I never heard it. I didn't know what it looked like, but neither did this church. So that was kind of a good match actually. Um, and then when I showed up, it was like, okay, here's what we have as far as personnel and gear, you know, this is what we're using. And it wasn't a complete set of gear. So I had a drum set, so I brought the drum set. I had a synthesizer, I brought the synthesizer. Um, There was an old PA system that we mixed from the platform. We used choir mics. It was not ideal. (laughs) But I did have a bunch of volunteers right off the bat. I had two bass players and two drummers, and that is, you know, twice as many as lots of churches have. So that was a huge blessing. I had people who wanted to sing and be in the band every week so that was a great starting point yeah Dan, how did so was the word kind of out that this was going to happen and that you were going to lead it or how did was that announced from up front or was this sort of a covert operation off to the side like how, how did you get it going at the time we were having traditional worship at like 9 and 11 i think and they decided to you know put this service sort of in between in the fellowship hall so it wasn't in the same it wasn't in the sanctuary and yeah, they announced it, and they wanted to see, you know, is this going to happen? And, and right away, people came. People were ready for it, and it, and it started growing right away. Yeah, tell us a little bit, because I, I think this is really interesting. Tell us about the gear that you had to work with oh, yeah. and the worship environment of the fellowship hall. So it's basically like a gym with bad acoustics. It, you know, it had, it had uh, acoustic uh, tiles in the ceiling, but basically a gym so very echoey and boomy and like i said choir mics condenser mics not what you're supposed to sing into and an old system with tiny little indoor outdoor speakers that were on the wall like you know it wasn't designed for a band um and there are a lot of challenges with acoustic drums um you know they were running the words with easy worship from a laptop on a card table right up front the whole I can personally was, testify oh, that that is true. But listen, <laughs> it was more than lots of churches have. So yeah. I, I felt I felt blessed 
for the opportunity and you know uh, there was support in, yeah in that service there was support you know so was it right out of the gate i mean it sounds like you were you had some skills that you brought in as someone who's been a part of a band and knew how to kind of bring a team together and and but we, what was the quality level like right out of the gate was it it, did it need to be perfect before you launched or was it people were just drawn to it because it was a new environment and they were ready for that contemporary worship or was it somewhere in between or, you know, if somebody's out there saying we can't launch because we don't have the talent yet to pull it off, would you encourage them just to go for it and people be drawn yeah. to it or what's your experience? I, with I, it? I totally would because we were not, we were not that polished and it wasn't that great. The sound was not great. But we we persevered, and it got better every mm-hmm. every week. We were learning the songs better and learning how to just make it sound better. You know what? I don't think we should have four singers this week. Let's <laughs> go with two, or you know, let's try and have some dynamics here. We were learning, you know, how that worked. Yeah. Um, so no, it was not perfect by any means. Yeah. Launching. Well, I think we've talked here about different new initiatives or, or things we want to do in the life of the church. There there can be this hesitation. Because we want it to be well oiled before it launches or whatever, but uh, you know sometimes you just got to begin and see where it leads and uh, see if there's a reason to keep going and all those kinds of things. And uh, so glad you had the courage to do it and to stick with it. Uh, that's awesome. So it sounds like you got it going in the fellowship hall. Started to grow. Um, what kind of dynamic did that create? Were people across the church excited about it? Were there any of that sort of you bring drums into the church over my dead body kind of stuff or like how, how was it perceived? All of that. Actually, they were both, there were people that were very excited and the attendance grew quickly. And then there was, you know, some people who were annoyed about it and, you know, it led into the next phase was almost like two congregations Mm -hmm. at a certain point, I guess a couple of years later, we were having the service at the same time. So you had to pick either that one or this one. And we were sharing preachers. So the preacher would preach in one service and then run down the hall and preach in the other service. And it, we were. We were a church divided. Um, so I'm glad that's over. Yeah. And, and now that we're in the same room, yeah. it's better. And I was, um, I came in during that time. During, in 2012, they had been going on Sunday mornings for a year. And it was at the same time. So we would literally, the other pastor and I would literally high five on our way. I would, one would start the one service, the other would start the other, and then the preacher would preach, and then we'd switch in the hallway during music, and the preacher would immediately start preaching in the other service, and the other person would close that service. We talk about, that was just, it was just not good. But all that said, it was where we felt like we had to start because the overwhelming reason was so that we could share that Sunday school hour yep. um, and share the resources without doubling up the resources. And so it did serve us well for a season, but we kind of quickly identified that that season needed to change. So we did that for a year. And then 2013 is when things really changed. And you can't overstate that, uh, the importance of Sunday school because there was a, tradi- or a contemporary service that was attempted a few years before this and I had small children at the time, and the reason we didn't go is because they didn't, they couldn't take care of them. So that was it. I mean, it just, you know, yeah. it was as simple as that. Yeah, basic, fundamental. You got to get that one right. Yeah, yeah. And then, so a year after Jason got here, the the equipment got upgraded, and I can't tell you what a big deal. What a, you know, it was such a huge difference to have the right microphones and the right speakers, and to be able to hear yourself. I think electric drums might be the number one most important piece of equipment we bought. Yeah. Because they have they have a volume now. Yeah. Our, yeah. our music director here would say the exact same thing. It changed our ability to do worship well in our environment. When you, you didn't have the drums, uh, and people going, you know, the balance is almost impossible to get a good mix going when you have those live drums, at least in our space. So it sounds like it was similar for you guys. Yeah. yeah, and they're not and they're not that expensive. You yeah. could get a decent set of electronic drums now that sound really good, and uh, it's not like it used to be where those things were just. Yeah, really what did you pay? Price. Do you remember what you paid? Four or five grand for that, probably somewhere in that neighborhood. No, no less like two thousand. Okay, like two two grand. Okay, for the Roland. Nice. Drums. Yeah, we. I think we found a used set somewhere on Craigslist or somewhere, and uh, same deal. Somebody had used it just a little bit, but so you can find that stuff out there. 
And Absolutely. what I love hearing, though, is I think and I, I've been a part of a, a conversation with another congregation where they pulled out all the stops and probably invested 50 grand in all this really fancy gear before they even had a band in place. And yeah. I, I, I love this the gesture. And wow, that's really cool. But I, I think it actually worked in reverse. Uh, you know, they had all this, this the right gear, but they, they didn't have the the sort of the chops to pull off a, a, a set that kind of justified that. And so people began to wonder, why did we spend all that money you know, when we got a couple of high school kids up there leading praise and worship songs or something? So um, maybe that's the right way to go. Start cheap and go from there. So, yeah, like or it. invest in the person. Invest in the person. Who's going to lead yeah. it. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, love it. I'm, yeah. Yeah, good but, What do you think, Dan? What do you think was your biggest obstacle that you had to overcome during what I'm calling launch phase when it was really taking, starting to take off, you know, what, what was, is there something that sticks out to you as that was just a really big obstacle that you had to break through? Um, I mean, besides the equipment, but there was a perception here, you know, I guess there was a inherent lack of authority that I had, you know? So, uh, luckily I had pastors protecting me and even isolating me from some of the you know, battles that were going on behind the scenes where people were upset about, like I said, that the church was changing, that we weren't doing things a certain way, and, you know, who's this guy, and he didn't even go to school for this, and that sort of thing. That was kind of tough, and, and I had some relationships with band members that were really stressful at times because they didn't want to do things the way I wanted to do them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was very challenging, especially in those first couple of years. Say, say a little more about that, because I, you know, I've heard, I've actually just had a couple of conversations recently um, with some of our newer staff that in the last church they were part of, they didn't feel they were given the authority to make decisions or to be in charge of of the setting that they had been asked to lead in. And what Jason, you can speak to this too, but what you know. One of the things we want to do is empower decision making at the lowest levels possible, but it doesn't always happen in churches, or it's not handed off the right ways. But so it sounds like that made it difficult for you to just to to do your job well, or to like make decisions about the music, or I mean, what was it particularly that made it challenging? I guess would be be a question. Does that make sense? What I'm yeah. I don't know if if I can nail it down to what, uh, a particular thing, but it was just a culture, you know, in in this church that just wasn't ready for this big change they weren't ready for this new thing Mm -hmm. and there's a long tradition of how everything's been done here the same way for many many years going back so you know we had to make sure we cleaned up the drums every every time like right after the service you gotta leave no evidence of anything you know no trace that anything yeah happened which is crazy i don't do that anymore you know but um yeah, we didn't we didn't get any credit. We didn't get any respect. You know, we um, so that and it was. Not, I don't want to say church wide because there were always those champions and those people that you know helped and like I said, protected me from that kind of stuff from any attacks. Um, but yeah, it was a you know a, a culture basically mm-hmm. that was a challenge. Yeah, and yeah. it changed and it has changed and it was a process and it's still changing honestly uh but we've come a long way it was a huge thing when jason got here because his background is in worship leading so not only were you the perfect person to mentor me but you could explain it a lot better to other people when they're saying pastor why x y and z and you can say well this is the reason yeah and and i think the relationship between the pastor and the worship leader is a really important one that needs to be intentionally cultivated because they need to, especially if you're in a, in a more traditional church and trying to launch a contemporary service, you need to make sure there needs to be no doubt between you that you have each other's back and you are a team, you're a unified front, you're working on it together and helping each other out. So yeah. we've, we've been really blessed to have that, which yeah. has been, uh, it's made, it's made all the difference. So then, you know, Interestingly, you launch it, we started to experience some real growth, some real growth. That some, it was the most dramatic season of growth that we've had in the last five years here, was that time between 2013 and 2015. 
and where we saw the service go from an initial launch of maybe 50 or 60 people to 160, 170, 180, and we were outgrowing our space in the fellowship hall, which as all of this is happening, we're continually working to make things better. And as you make things better, you're asking different things of the musicians who are showing up. You're asking them to, hey, please don't play that guitar solo every single song. It does not work on Mighty to Save. I don't need, you know, <laughs> I don't need uh, Jimmy Page. You know, I don't need, right? Yeah. And, and musicians are notoriously sensitive. And you throw on top of that, you're dealing with their faith in a sensitive environment. At, everybody's sensitive at church. I don't know what happens, but something happens. Very rational people become, become irrational, and I'm probably one of them. But, you know, the... Dealing with all of that as the expectations, even just as the song set is changing to a different, you know, I think when we started, it's fair to say our contemporary worship music was very much of the 90s. I was going to say about 20 years beyond. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so as we were catching up on that curve, different sounds, different expectations. Once we mastered the gear and had the right gear, then it became okay, now we have the right gear, let's make it sound like we want. But that brought its own challenges yeah. in this growth I'm phase. Bad. And I thought maybe, Dan, you could talk a little bit about dealing with the music team. And then people just started coming out of the woodwork to uh, get yeah. involved and explain how that, because that's one of the coolest things that's, that's happened, but not without its big-time challenges. So share a little bit about that. So, yeah, as I got to know the music better and as we changed music, I had to tell people... I mentioned the singers. I, I had to go down to just two singers a week because it just wasn't working. Gang singing, it got all muddy. And we had to learn dynamics. And I really had to direct more and tell people exactly what I wanted from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then then the band started blowing up. It's all volunteers. And right now we have over 40 in the band. So I had like five drummers. And so they would have to go into rotation. And... You know, some people are used to being in the band every week, and that's not possible here. Yeah, in fact, I know there's at least one who said that, well, I can't be in it every week, so therefore I'm not in. Yeah. You know, and yeah. because that's an expectation yep. that they had. But that's honestly, that's it's one of the biggest strengths. It, it has its downsides, for sure. It does, because you're not going to, you know, you could show up to practice and people haven't played this song, but basically we have a different band every week. Yeah. Yeah. Which wow. is awesome. And I, and I very rarely hire anyone. Occasionally, yeah. I will. Yeah. Um, we also have a, a ton of teenagers Tons. contributing in the band, um, so that is amazing. In every position, yeah, drummers. almost every interested. No bassists, not yet, but he's coming. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Nice. We got like the the, yeah. the next generation. They can't wait to be in the That's band. Right. And I've never said no to anyone because you know with a digital mixing board. You can turn anybody down. Like, <laughs> That's they, right. There That's can right. be enough people on stage where you can barely know how to play guitar and you can be in my band. And I thought that that was really important to never say no. I got 11-year-olds up there singing with 70-year-olds, you know. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah, I love and, it. And I have to say, it's, it's really good, too. That's the, that's the thing that's perhaps most impressive. And I know that there are a lot of folks out there like well let me let me put it this way when i look at mega churches who are crushing it with young people and i'm looking at them as pioneers of a style that you know they're sort of paving the way when i look at their worship teams i'm seeing young hip just by me saying hip shows I'm not hip. Skinny <laughs> jeans, you know, like like, like I'm seeing sure. a very cool looking uh, single generation kind of band. Ours is not that, but I don't believe we sacrificed much in the way of quality. Which is how do you how do you do that? Because I know there are a lot of folks wanting to know how do you do that. Yeah, we have some people. Uh, we have baby boomers in the band, and we have. Uh, you know, Generation Z in the band. We have everything in between. So, how do you do that? How do you keep that 
How do you keep the quality from not being a distraction, from being a good thing while saying yes to everybody? Right. Well, the equipment definitely helps. You know, that's a huge thing uh, when everything sounds good. We would talk about uh, I'll make guitar players use my sauce. I write the sauce. So we have like this, you know, multi-effects pedal and, and I decide what the sound is. So here's the sound. Here's the other sound. That's it. You know, yeah. I don't necessarily, I, I'll let people bring amps and stuff, but same thing with the keyboard. Here's what I want you to play on this sound, you know, and do it like this. So I, I give direction. At the same time, I'm going to let it, you know, be open for interpretation because I want that. Um, yeah, I mean, we just, we don't try and get too technical either. A lot of the worship songs we do are, you know, f- four chords. So you just kind of stick to that, you know, and then, and layer it, uh, you know, start slow, get to that next level. We talk about dynamics a lot, about get when it should be loud, when it should be quiet. I also have uh, two rehearsals. I've heard church bands tell me that they rehearse once or maybe not at all. So we have a rehearsal during the week for about an hour. I have the vocalists come early, about a half hour, sometimes 45 minutes if it's a lot of stuff we need to go over. So the vocalists go over harmonies first. Then the rest of the band gets there, and then we go over, you know, our five or six songs. We only do four songs in the service, but if it's a communion day, we'll do one extra, and we usually do some kind of prelude that's like, you know, something fun. Um, So we rehearse that day. And then on Sunday morning, everybody comes early, and while the traditional service is going on in the sanctuary, we go back to the fellowship hall where we still have all the old gear from the old service, and we have another rehearsal that morning, which is yeah. invaluable. Well, and tell me, really you know, you. one of the challenges we faced here um, a couple of, of directors ago in our world was that things would change from our Thursday night rehearsal to Sunday morning. And it wasn't really fair to the band a lot of the time, or, or there were kind of substantive changes. And um, we had to learn a lot about how to manage a volunteer band. And it sounds like you were able to navigate that. Are there? How do you stay in touch? How do you communicate with your band? Do you guys use a software to um, keep everybody organized? Uh, you know, you started with what did you say? Easy. What was it? Easy worship. Easy worship. Yeah. Easy what worship. are you using now? Like, it is, what's, by the way, it's not easy. It's not easy, right? I think we. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So how do you how do you keep your people organized, and how do you? They're never going to sponsor us. Yeah. How do you? Yeah. Yeah, they're never going to sponsor you. <laughs> well, yeah. for production, we use uh, Pro Presenter, but nice. We are we do have Planning Center, okay. although I don't use it all that much for my scheduling. Um, I I do it with a big grid. And, He's analog. Yeah, I, I I'm pencil because. People call all the time. They drop out sick. Um, luckily, I have this huge stable of people where I can just call somebody up. Or actually, I usually don't call. I email everybody. So, you know, in the late summer, I, I emailed, okay, everybody, here's my first uh, try at a schedule. And I just throw out a 12-week schedule. And then, and then a bunch of people get back to me and say, no, I can't do this. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So I switch it around. I do some more emailing. Now, you know, some millennials, email's not going to work. You have to text them or Facebook message. <laughs> that's right. But, but that's what I do. That's a big part of what yeah. I do, and I do it every day. I'm yeah. emailing people back and forth every day. And so I have this grid, and I look at the grid and who's in the band, and then, yeah, somebody called out for this week, last night, you know? Yeah. So well, and then you just kind of adapt. You go with it, on. yeah. And I think what I hear you saying too is it doesn't happen by accident. Whatever your method is, you know, you got this grid thing going. We use Planning Center um, for our stuff, but that you got to follow up with people. You got to remind people. You don't just hope for the best and you know assume that people are going to show up. That there's a, a a volunteer setting your volunteers up for success aspect that creates a good experience over time. That then they can't wait to be a part of it kind of deal. So. Um, Absolutely. That's been our experience. They, they get used to my style. My style is like, so Jason mentioned that we meet every Monday morning and talk about the service. And then the next thing we talk about is the next service. So I don't plan the music out r- typically not that far ahead, which is great because if we get some idea, then we can we can implement it that week. So Monday morning, typically pick the songs and then Monday afternoon or Monday evening, I send that PDF out to the, the band members for that week. So they have about two days. We usually rehearse on Wednesdays um, 
to go over the tunes. And I also offer, because I'm not a tenor, so I change the keys on a lot of songs. We actually established a congregational note of E flat or D. And I've heard that at conferences, too. Don't ask the congregation to sing over a D because they can't do it. Right. You know, it's no beautiful things. Yeah. <laughs> man, yeah. that's tough. <laughs> like, oh, man, <laughs> and then so you got to get up and tell- preach after singing those notes. <laughs> that's, that's tough. That's right. that's right. But I tell people, you know, if you want a recording of me singing and playing the song in the key and with the arrangement we're going to do, no problem. I just hit record on my iPad. I sing and play it, and then I mail it out. So... A, a, a vocalist could get all five songs we're going to do and they could practice for a couple days before we meet on Wednesday and then they could continue to practice. They call it the core boy tracks. And, <laughs> That's and right. some singers have an entire library of those mm-hmm. now and they can just play them along in their car and pr- practice those harmonies. And I'll even do harmony recordings. So you're, this is your part. And then I'll sing, you know, like... <laughs> nice. And then, it's a good way for them yeah. to learn and to practice. Yeah. But there's an expectation. They're going to get that those song lists on Monday or Monday evening, and they'll have a couple days. Then they need to show up, do this work, and then they need to show up early on Sunday. But it makes for a fulfilling experience for them because it's not, you know, they feel prepared, I, I feel like. Yeah. No surprises. Nice. And, Dan, I thought it's important. If you wouldn't mind share with us because I think this is such a big part of it the spiritual part of being a leader um, of a worship team you know so much of it is organization and then the other part is is heart and being open to what God is doing I wonder if you could just share a little bit because you weren't a worship leader no. When you got involved, I mean, really, no, this this was a whole new thing. I mean, you didn't even know Chris Tomlin. Ah. <laughs> no, but and then kind of where you are now. Now we're talking six years later, at least as the director. Yeah, um, share that with us if you wouldn't mind. I mean, this is I've said this a lot. This is where God wants me at this, and and it was so perfect. I can look back at my entire life as leading up to this. I mean, my love for music started at such a young, young age. I mean, five, six years old. And my relationship with Jesus has been there all along. Like, I, I, I mean, I was raised Catholic, but I was really engaged at a young age. And it was really important to my wife and I that we, um, you know, raise our kids in the faith and not necessarily I didn't care if we went to a Catholic church or whatever she she grew up in this church and there were a lot of reasons why we picked it but it was very important so music was already a huge part of my life and God was a huge part of my life then this all happened and then when I look back on all the training I had in these bands you know leading up to it I, I was exactly where he wanted me I was the exact right person in the exact right place at the exact right time it couldn't have been more perfect. And then you showed up, and it was like, we're here we go, you know? That was like the, the, the last piece of the puzzle. Um, I didn't realize I was going to be such a spiritual leader, though. That took me off guard. And the first, some, the first time somebody said that to me, that, that I was their spiritual leader, I, I was like, whoa, you know? So I think it's really important that uh, you know, a lot of people say that that's our small group. The band is our small group. It's a different small group every week, but we support one another. And yeah, we always make sure we pray together before uh, any rehearsal. But we also, you know, try and share just life struggles that we're going through. I mean, these songs are our prayers, and they have to be authentic or it's not going to work. <laughs> One of the filters I, I put in uh, choosing songs, and this has been for a long time, is that, and it's not exi- it's not 100%, but almost everything has to have the pronoun you. <laughs> you know, we need to be singing to you, God, or you can talk about our God, you know, our God is greater or whatever, but most of the stuff is you. So there's a ton of great songs that are about me that we're not going to do, and my relationship with God that's great and all, but what we're trying to do is 
you know, and I sent out a great letter recently that I, I actually resent it from two years ago about explaining to the members of the band um, what, what our role is. And that is one of servant leadership. You know, um, we need to be a conduit. And it's very hard to explain that and to understand it because, as you pointed out, it's very emotional, especially for people who aren't doing this professionally. It is the most emotional thing in their lives. Yeah. And um, you have to understand it's, it's a tough line to walk because you have to be able to perform. You want it to be good, so you need to be good at performing. But you can't, it can't be about you. You have to do it with uh, a humbleness. Um, so that's, I've tried to explain that to everyone and, and, and talked about what our role is in uh, bringing the congregation to worship. That's it. You know, get out of the way so that's, you can hear God's word. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I think that's so well said, Dan. And I think for... I want to address something that I think maybe some listeners might be feeling, and that is, okay, that's great. Oh, oh wait. First of all, Dan is not for hire. He is, uh, he's already happily employed, if you couldn't tell, uh, here at Tower Hill. But, but I think a lot of people are thinking, okay, that's great. You had a Dan. Mm-hmm. Like, you had somebody that had all this experience. You had, how do we do this? We can't even identify somebody who is doing this or maybe we have somebody but that's it we don't have two drummers and two bassists and you know i could see the negative uh response because it's born out of a frustration like we just don't have those resources maybe could you share a little bit about i know you have a, a little bit of a growing edge we're doing a new kind of worship service that we're doing sunday nights and it's seasonal and you've also been helping lead worship for our teenagers each week, and it has birthed a new thing for you that you are working on now. But we were talking earlier about how this could be the kind of solution. It's actually not a new solution, but uh, in a new way of how can you do it when you just have one person? So it started with GarageBand on my iPad and just messing around, which is basically like a toy, you know, but you can do some pretty cool things with GarageBand. So when we talked about launching this new service uh, with a kind of a coffeehouse feel, I said, well, why don't I program all the tracks to the songs that I could sing and play guitar along with? And it worked great. You know, you just go in, you make a drum track, you do the bass. I know the songs really well, so I just follow the chart. And then I sing and play along with them. That's just me doing everything. And now that we're in this, the second season of this uh, new service, I'm doing it on the real software, which is uh, Logic Pro, which is like the grown-up version of GarageBand, but it's limitless. You know, you can record vocals, you can record guitar, bass, you can do hip-hop drums, you can have crazy synthesizers. It's like any palette you want. So really, one person could do it. Yeah. I'm doing it, actually. I know one person could do it because I'm doing it. That's how I do our youth group now. And we had a session last week where we had 25 minutes of music and I programmed every bit of it. I mean, I played guitar and sang along with it, but it was cool. The kids really like it because I'm using very modern sounds and putting like a, a just a different twist on things. It doesn't sound like the band, but it is live music because I am playing along with it. Right. And that's a big difference. Yep. You're yep. not just singing to performance tracks, but they're enhancing the live performance. Right. And I spoke with a lot of people, you know, like I said, I've been to these worship leader conferences, which are awesome. I can't wait to go to another one. I always come back fired up and I meet tons of people who inspire me and um, I learn a lot of things. So one of the things I learned was that a lot of churches use things called like uh, Ableton Live. I don't know if it's Ableton or Ableton, but it's uh, stuff to like it has click tracks, which I don't really love, but you can buy the backing tracks right from CCLI. Mm-hmm. You can get the actual keyboard track that is on Oceans from Hillsong, you know, or wherever. You know, yeah. you can buy these actual songs. I didn't really want to do that. I wanted to do my own versions. This one has a slightly faster tempo, or maybe I have some cheesy 80s keyboard in there. It kind of gave me the freedom to make it my own and keep it kind of original, put an original spin on it. 
Um, and the software's it's not, you know, there is certainly a learning curve, but anybody who's, uh, you know, worked with music can probably figure something out. <laughs> yeah, so that's very exciting. I'm, 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 I'm really excited about that. And I think it is a way for someone to do it by themselves. Well, what would you say to church leaders who, they've been thinking about this for a long time, and they're trying to identify who that person could be to lead the music. What should they be looking for? Wow. Well, I guess it would depend on it. Every situation is different. Uh, ideally, you get somebody from your congregation. I mean, that would be great if somebody was already there. Uh, some kind of experience where they've, they've you know, played in a band before. That, I think that's huge. But if you don't have somebody in your congregation, I think you can go out and hire somebody. You could find, you know, the kid who's in a band down the street at the bar and say, and, and if you don't have a certain member of the band, that's another way to get it. Like, look, we don't have a drummer. We need a drummer. Let's go out to this club and see if this guy wants to do it. You know, he's 22. He'd probably love to make 70 bucks on a Sunday morning. Yeah. You know, and that's not a permanent solution, or maybe it is. Maybe he starts bringing his friends. I think it's most important not to be afraid to try certain things. In the first few times that I had some kids in the band, that was really, you know, nerve wracking. <laughs> the one kid comes to mind, he was about 12, he wanted to play drums. I let him play hand drum for about, I don't know, four months. Then I started. But like one song. Yeah. One, one song out of the set he got to play. And then, then he could get behind the kit for one song. And after a year and a half of that, I let him play a whole Sunday. And now he's one of my best drummers. Yeah. Now that he's 16, you know. Yeah. Um, let that kid up there. I know a local church who's struggling to start a, a you know, a service. They're doing a blended service right now. But he says the only drummer he has is the 16-year-old kid. And I'm like, So? Let, let the 16-year-old kid do it. You know, If that's what you have, then that's what you should go with. Yeah. Nice. And if you don't have those people, I think you can find them. They don't have to be from the church. They can be from the club, you know? Yeah. I think what... I got, oh, go uh, I got, I got all sorts of people coming in. Uh, tonight I have a, a Jewish kid coming in to mix us. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. yeah. And he is like a total practicing Jew. He doesn't have a problem with it, and neither do I. I love it. Well, tell us a little more about that, Jason. We've had a lot of conversations, Dan, you chime in too, but do, does somebody need to be like a mature, committed follower of Jesus to be in your band? How do you guys tackle that? I know the answer. You're already shaking your head, and we've had this conversation, so I know what you're going to say, but share a little bit about that because I do, that's some of the pushback we've gotten when we've invited people up front to lead um, from behind the keys or uh, at the bass or even singing, and, and uh, you know, they want their Christian credentials or something. Um, we feel it's a good outreach, but how, how do you guys tackle that? Well, I mean, it's each pastor and church has their own feeling on it. I'll just tell you my feeling bluntly. I think it's absurd to demand certain Christian credentials of band members. I think it is essential to request that of the worship leader. Mm-hmm. But as far as people jumping in and being part of the band, I mean, that is an outreach. It is incredible the number of people who are involved in music who otherwise would not be involved with the church, who are making connections, who are singing these songs, and I do believe you can see their faith moving toward God. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? I, I mean, and not for nothing, a lot of those musicians are better. That's right. They're just better music. Like they're coming from music land. Like they're going to give you an even better worship experience. And at the same time, chances are much higher. They're going to go closer to God than if if they weren't a part of things. I am just a huge believer in you get people involved early and often and they don't have to take a spiritual quiz in order to qualify. If they care enough to be there, they get to be there. Sure. You know, we we adopted a phrase about four years ago. Uh, I think we might have borrowed it from Andy Stanley. I don't remember. Probably so. But it was, you can belong before you believe. 
And, yeah. and, and, yeah. and we, I think there's a biblical warrant for that. You know, the disciples, you know, they followed Jesus before they understood who he was and they got to understand as they followed more of who he was. And that's how it worked. And so if you create a, an environment where keep, people can belong, feel a sense of community, hear the message of these songs, even sing it, play it, uh, hear, the, hear the message as you share, Jason, what, why would that be a bad idea? I it just, uh, right. I get it if, right. you know, if somebody's got a crazy lifestyle or something, there might be some hard conversations along the way or something, but we should risk for the sake of the gospel and not play it safe. So, uh, Absolutely. And, and look, you know, people, you're going to get people in your church, whether it's in the music or not, you know, they're going to be in a position of, they're going to be a volunteer, let's say, and they post something on Facebook that's totally inappropriate and you're going to have to deal with that. But I'd rather let that be messy and deal with it rather than just, sure. you know, say, you know, let's, uh, let's sit down and do this Bible content exam. Because <laughs> <laughs> nice. we know how, we know how those go. Sure. It's a real measure, real measure. So get, I want to get uh, back to the, Dan, you were talking a little bit about where do we go to find leaders or somebody to come and step in and kind of get it, help it get started or maybe take us to the next level. And, you know, our, our, at some point, Jason, we'll have Larry on from our end, but he was a Home Depot manager who had a band background, just like you grew up in his twenties playing in bands and, and all that. He had, it was never on his radar as a, as a young adult that he would be leading worship someday. Uh, and God kind of put, you know, put all the circumstances together at the right time and the right place for that, that to happen. And so it it may be an unexpected place. I think one of the mistakes that we made here was that we went only into the church world or the established sort of church jobs net world looking for worship leaders. And it was really hard to find um, someone that that could push the envelope like we wanted them to. Uh, and then there was a lot of sort of this uh, this call or uh, or desire for people to have. Well, can they be sixty percent contemporary and forty percent traditional and kind of cover both territories? Uh, wouldn't it be great if somebody could lead a band but also knew how to direct a choir? Uh, does that person exist? And in your guys' mind, I know how I feel about that one too. But what I mean, did you guys come across that pushback as you thought about staffing, Jason? And and how do you how do you navigate navigate that stuff? Well, sure, that did come up, of course. Of course, you know, we, we had uh, our traditional director position opened up, and one of the questions was, you know, should we be looking for somebody that can kind of do both? I, you know, I think I definitely there are people out there that can do it. I think they are very rare, exceedingly rare. And my experience has been they're usually not as good on the contemporary end. Uh, the reason is many of them, especially if they've been trained in, in instruments like organ and other things. I mean, there's, there's actually one that comes to mind whom I'm, who's a friend of mine who I know is good, who started as an organist and traditional director and now is a church planner and, uh, and you know, leads a worship team. But I mean, those are very rare. It, and the reason why is because usually, whether it's traditional or contemporary music, that's the music of your heart. And it's rare that there will be an equal love for both and whichever one has the more love gets more of you. Mm -hmm. And I think that leads to a lessening of the impact of whichever style gets gypped. Sure. Yeah. And, and so I think, I think you're better off having separate people doing that job. But I mean, obviously you know, some musicians are really great. I, my suggestion would be if you have a traditional director who's got the chops to pull it off, that they really immerse themselves in that music, that they go to conferences, that they really learn that it's not just about the notes on the page. Um, it's about a feel. It's about an environment that's a very different way of looking at it. What, what would you say, Dan? Would you add to that? Oh, yeah. I think we're so, so lucky that we have two separate people. Um, so that, yeah, because you wouldn't be as good at either one of them if you're splitting. Yeah. Uh, so that's huge. And that person is very rare because if they know how to direct a choir and play organ, they probably went to school for it. And so that's probably what they're going to do. Yeah. I mean, I guess I've met them at, at conferences, people who can do it all. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that y you need to find Christians who love to rock out. You know, basically. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's right. And that's well the heartbeat, put. right? 
And I think, well yeah, because I think what, what I think I heard us saying in, a, in previous conversations, Jason, is that as well-intentioned as the blended worship style is and people kind of go, you know, then everybody can be there. Um, I mean, what we found in our experience and it's, it's echoed in your experience is that instead of everybody winning, everybody ends up losing, it, it seems like, more than than anything. And so to create those different environments and, you know, we talked about this when we were talking about a rolling Sunday here. We said, let people worship in the language, in, in the music language that speaks most closely to their hearts. And that's fine if it, it's a different genres, but go for it in the genres that you're going to go for it and, and don't water them down uh, to try and make it palatable for everybody else. And so I'm glad you have a Dan that can go for it. And good job, Dan. I love that you're in there to rock out. And that's like your stated goal. That's pretty cool. I am. That's I am good. glad to have a Dan as well. Yeah, and, nice. uh, and, I, and I will say, I mean, it's been so great talking with you, Dan. Thanks for joining us today. And I, I feel like we're, we're going to need to have you back at some point because there's so much more. This, this is a really big topic um, that covers so many things. Even just we should do a session just on gear. Yeah. Right. I mean, just on how do you go about finding what you need? Where should you sacrifice? Where should you not sacrifice? If you had to buy one expensive piece of gear, what would that be? I think that would be a really helpful conversation. And maybe we bring both of our uh, worship leaders on for that one at some point in the future. Yeah, Jason, then we'll um, just ask the question and sit back and listen to them go. Exactly right. We'll sit back and let them them go for it. But. uh, but thanks so much. Um, My pleasure. Again, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on, and I feel very blessed I get to work with you every day. All right, Jesse, that was a really great conversation with Dan, and I'm so thankful for his leadership at our church, and so much of the success of a new service has to do with, do you have the right person leading it? I mean, do you have that That's right, right. Yeah. worship leader? What are some things that, that you were thinking as we were... You know, do you have some takeaways from our conversation with Dan? Absolutely. Well, one, it's really fun to, to hear you talk to each other. Clearly, you have a, a good relationship, a good friendship. Um, you value each other and what you're trying to do. And I think that's foundational. we got to have trust with each other and, and all those kinds of things to make a great team. But I was also really encouraged. I love hearing stories of how how God works through somebody's life to prepare them for his opportunities down the road. And uh, someone like Dan that was playing in bands and doing all the stuff that I'm sure his parents were like, where's this going to lead you in life or whatever. (laughs) Right. And, and here it is, it it yields this amazing gift to the church down the road uh, for the sake of what God is doing. And uh, all of that experience now is being put to use for uh, a great purpose. And so I'm just encouraged by that. And I think what maybe the takeaway is to be on the lookout for unusual talent or, you know, the people that are doing it that maybe are not raising their hand and running to the front to say, I, you know, call on me, call on me. You know, usually that's a red flag for please don't, you know, kind of thing. But to hear Dan, you know, and his experience and how he got involved, I, I, I think it's, it's fantastic. And I, and I love it. Uh, so I was encouraged by it. And I'm glad he had the courage to, to step in and begin to lead and see where it goes. And uh, so there may be folks like that in your community, in your church that are waiting to be asked or thinking to themselves, you know, that's not me. I don't know how to raise my hands up in front of people and, you know, lead and guide through worship or something. So I think that's, you know, just keep your eyes open for those kinds of things because I love what he provides. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I was reminded of as we were having our conversation, I was listening to it again was just to start, start where you are. And to trust that God's going to bring to you exactly what you need because he wants your worship to succeed probably more than you ever will. You know, he already has people in mind. He has people lined up who are the right people at the right time and to really trust that because it's easy for us. And that sounds like pastor speak and it's things that we say to each other. Oh, you know, the right person, you just got to truly, truly, that's true. On every level that I've experienced this, God has a wonderful habit of bringing just the right people at just the right time. Yeah. It's a trust thing. It yeah. really is. And I think I would just say this, and this is maybe a little bit of a soapbox and, and it, it, this offends somebody. I apologize. And Jason, if we need to edit it out <laughs> later then we can, but the, the, I, you know, when we were lurk, searching for a worship leader here at Marine view, we were just so stuck because the people who are out there looking for jobs who had worked in ministry 
there was just so much baggage that they were carrying around with them. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, there's just so many scars and so much hard the challenges. And then sometimes, honestly, the the, the talent pool wasn't there. Yeah. We would interview people and they would come out and we'd just say, they just don't have the skill set to lead a band. Um, they might have the right heart or desire. Uh, we ran into a lot, of, a lot of singer-songwriter types, which are really wonderful people or passionate about music, but can't organize, you know, anything. And so um, I think that's where, you know, the trust factor that if you can find that hidden talent or that person right in your midst or somebody close by and then develop them and, and, and coach them and lead them, maybe that's that's the right approach. We were really shocked by how God provided in our context. And, you know, obviously Dan was somebody there that God had in yeah. mind. So um, is, anyway, there's isn't that funny how, how shocked we are when God <laughs> pulls through like that? Yeah, right. Why, why are we always so it. shocked? Well, I tell you, um, everyone who's listening, if I hope that this this not just this episode, but this podcast is helping you in your ministry, that it's encouraging you wherever you are. And I just want to ask if this is something that's really uh, encouraging you and lifting you up and helping you out, if, if you would do us a favor and leave us a review, leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or TuneIn or whichever platform you like to listen to us in, that you would leave a review and, and help kind of boost our ratings really so so that we can be seen and show up in lists so that people can find this podcast so that we can be a help to others. I mean, that's really, if, if you want to say that if we have any ambition of this podcast, it's that it would help as many people as possible. And that only happens when the word gets out. So uh, right. if you could help yeah. us out and leave us a review, that would be awesome. We would love that. And um, also, we're going to include in the show notes of this episode, we have some resources that Jesse and I both use just to get you started on um, where do I find media for contemporary worship, uh, where do I find song charts, just just going to give you a real quick list and provide those links in the show notes. You can always find the show notes on reclaimedleader.com, go to the podcast link and scroll down, you'll see the episode number and the show notes right after it, but... We find, at least at Tower Hill, we find our media at uh, worshiphousemedia.com, motionworship.com. We get our song charts mostly from CCLI, Song Select. Um, also, Dan, he, uh, he kind of writes his own charts. He listens to the music, writes his own charts as well. Um, and then we use our, our media software is ProPresenter. We switched to ProPresenter from Easy Worship because we found that that wasn't easy. And... Uh, also, there's there's an app, an iPad app. If you don't have a band, just have one person leading the songs. Even if you don't play an instrument, but, but somebody can sing, there's an app called Worship Band in Hand. Again, I'm, we're going to link to all this for you. But uh, for a fee, you can get all the performance tracks of different songs, and you can lead worship just right from your iPad. So we hope that we can keep providing you um, with information. And if you have any questions, please reach out to us. We're happy to answer uh, anything. I don't know, Jesse, if you want to add anything on that. No, I think you hit kind of all the high points. And, and if you have other resources that you use uh, to find media, uh, we're always looking for more leads too. So, um, you know, those kind of our main sources of, of media and stuff as well, Jason. And um, at one some point down the road, we'll have uh, Larry Kruger on here who kind of dials all that in in on our end and he has different places he tracks stuff down on. And one thing I have actually done, I'll just th- toss this in is that if you're coming up with a theme or something for your morning and, and you want to go a little more contemporary, if you just start Googling message series, you can kind of see what other creative things churches have done. I've even, uh, I've discovered slides that I really love for a message series or a background. And I'll just email that church and say, Hey, listen, I love what you did. Can we use it? And almost always they say yes, or, you know, they just ignore me completely. So one of the two, but people were willing to share. Um, we've used um, North Point resources uh, from North Point um, uh, Ministries down there in, uh, in, the, in a, the Atlanta area. Um, so there's just lots out there. Uh, it's good to get connected. And I would point ahead, Jason, to um, some upcoming episodes. Is there anything else to add on the resource side first? And then we can kind of tease a couple of No, I think things. we're good. Go for it. So uh, you're going to want to come back um, and listen in. We're going to have a, a, a couple of great uh, conversations coming up. One's with a, a good friend of mine, Scott Battish, who works in the PR world, and he's going to 
share some with talking points and, and uh, how do we message and what, how can we get the word out about our churches and things? He's, he's really great. But then this is, this is the one that scares us to Terrified. death, Jason. And yeah, it sounded like a really great idea about an hour ago. And then, you know, it's starting to sink in, but uh, we're actually going to have our, our wives on to share with you and, and uh, maybe to have uh, your spouses listen in if you have them or, um, but what has their experience been to be married to someone trying to lead change in, in the church? So I'm, I'm scared. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to say it. I'm scared. <laughs> it's going to be great though. It's going to be great. I'm so glad. It's going to be know. great. Yeah. Like, well, we were joking around, you know, we could always edit anything out that they say, but then, then they're, they're going to listen. listen and then we'll be even more, yeah, yeah we're going to be even edit. more trouble. So <laughs> no, I, honestly, um, you'll love it. Uh, if, if you want to tune into that, there are um, two amazing, uh, women who have been a part of our lives and our journey and have a lot to say and a lot to share. And honestly, sometimes have better insight into what's actually happening in the church than, than I do based on, you know, kind of leading from up front. So I think we're going to call that episode leading from the back nice. row. So come and come here more. Nice. All right, folks. Well, we do hope that you'll join us next time and hope that this episode has helped you lead change without losing your roots. So I am Jason Tucker and this is Jesse Skiffington and we will catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey. 